Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and discussing monitoring training load in a way to connect physical therapists and rehab specialists to strength and conditioning with no other than Dr. Zachary Long. Uh, Dr. Zach Long is also known as the Barbell Physio on Instagram. Guys, if you are not following him, you are missing out. He is putting out some absolutely killer content. Make sure you hop over and you're following at the Barbell Physio, one word, on Instagram, because he's he's killing it out there. Um, but guys, Dr. Long and I sit down and we're going to talk about the importance of monitoring volume intensity in your training means, uh, both in rehab and training. And, and it's it's awesome how he's looking at all of those in a way to, to monitor what these kids are doing and what his athletes and his CrossFit athletes are doing and building up all the way from the rehab process into training so they're back and able to compete. Uh, he talks about ways that we can monitor volume and, and actual means utilized 
to, to understand what they're doing. And that leads us into the discussion of programming and simple ways we can under, uncover problems that may be leading to issues. Guys, this is an absolutely awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Dr. Long, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, man. It's always great to talk to other like-minded fitness professionals just trying to help athletes move better, stay healthier. Yeah, brother. Well, really stoked to have you on. Excited to get talking here. But let's give everybody here kind of the Spark Notes version of uh, who is Dr. Zachary Long and, and where they can find more about him before we get rolling. All right. Um, I'm a physical therapist in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm probably better known by the name The Barbell Physio, which is my website and social media accounts where I, I try to put out information that, that's really applicable to people and athletes in the strength and conditioning arena, as well as people in the rehab arena, because we really look at that as a, as a continuum, where for me as a physical therapist, my rehab should look like training, but just at a slightly lower intensity and volume than what you're doing. And my goal in rehab is to help people to build up their work capacity so that they can get back to the strength and conditioning side where they're then trying to improve their work capacity. And unfortunately right now there's a, there's a big gap between those two areas. And uh, fortunately for me, you know, in addition to being P a PT, I, I got to work in the strength and conditioning field for a number of years. And so I kind of saw where those holes were and I'm trying to help people understand how to, how to get from rehab and make rehab more like strength and conditioning, make strength and conditioning people more aware of the, the rehab principles that they need to know to keep their athletes from, from having to come see me essentially. No, and I love it. And I, you know, we were talking a little bit before about those. I think that the two parts that are still excessively gray are that that from rehab to training, and then that training to return to play. So let's let's get into that. Let's get into that rehab to training kind of connection, and and where you see things, and where are some spots that we as coaches and and practitioners and all around the world can can have a better view of what they're trying to do. So I think the big thing that we, we all need to monitor from the start is what's the, the training volume that we're asking somebody to do. So if we are a, a rehab provider and, you know, uh, you got an athlete that's, that's dealing with um, patellofemoral pain, anterior knee pain, and all we're having them do is some simple like leg extensions and some sideline hip abduction, things that, that don't get me wrong at certain times in rehab are okay. But if we do that, we get their pain down, and then we send them back to you. We've we've created this huge gap between what they've been doing during that rehab process and what we're then doing. We're then asking them to significantly increase their training volume, just going from rehab back to strength and conditioning. And there's a ton of research out right now that has basically shown that acute spikes in your training volume is what's going to lead to you being injured. So, so from my side, from the rehab side, people need to understand that we have got to be pushing athletes in rehab and we got to be getting them really close back from a volume and intensity standpoint to where they're going to be when they see you. And the big problem we have more than just choosing crappy, um, lightweight exercises that don't create true strength and conditioning responses, um, is that we also tell people to stop too much and, and completely take a break from doing what originally caused the injury. And not only is there research showing that if we have an acute spike in training volume that we, we increase our risk of injury, but there's also research that says that if we have an acute decrease in the amount of training volume we do, we'll see an increase in injury risk as well. So if we completely stop people from exercising, 
and and they're not doing what God intended our bodies to do, which is move, then we're also going to be setting them up for the potential for increased injuries. So rehab has to be picked up more is the big thing. Rehab needs to be harder and better, prepare people to get back to the, the work capacity that's going to be demanded of them in their training and their sports. From the training standpoint, we, we need to be really aware of that, that same training volume principle. Mm-hmm. On, and, and everybody's the amount of training volume that they can tolerate is different. There's a lot of research by a great guy uh, named Tim Gabbett who's basically shown that when you have acute spikes in training volume, you know, you're going to increase if you uh, if you acute, uh, increase that training volume acutely, you're going to increase their injury risk factor. Um, but I prefer the way uh, a friend of mine, some friends of mine at Renaissance Periodization. Are you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. They uh, they just put a book out on maximal recoverable volume and how they describe it. And um, it, it's something that I see a lot when I sit down with an athlete that's injured. I talk to them about what their training has been like for the last one, two, three months, and really dial down into that. And so often they haven't been making any gains in the gym. And if you look at the amount of volume they're doing, you can kind of theoretically realize that the amount of volume they're putting on themselves is just enough that they recover from it. Not enough that they're even allowing themselves to positively adapt. So the, the strength principle is stimulus recovery adaptation. We provide a stimulus to the human body. We then need to give the body time to recover, to get back to baseline. And then hopefully it adapts positively and then we you know, gain muscle, gain speed, gain whatever variable we're training for. Too often, if we put too much volume on athletes and don't allow them to adapt, we just allow them to recover, they're going to have a stagnation in their, in their ability to progress their fitness. And so they'll just get beat up from a bench press workout and the next week, their body's just recovered back to baseline. They get beat up next week, their body's just recovered back to baseline and we don't give them time to adapt or, you know, that, that, that's just a net neutral gain. Sometimes we overdo the volume to the point where they're actually detraining. They're losing strength, losing speed, losing power and increasing their injury risk because their body's just getting beat down, beat down, beat down, beat down. And in the, in the strength and conditioning world, we have to realize that everybody's, uh, volume and intensity tolerance is slightly different. And we just got to get better at, at recognizing that and understanding that if we keep hammering away at some people, they're not going to recover. They're going to get hurt. They're going to not progress. No, man, I love it a hundred percent. And I think understanding that acute to chronic workload is something that is excessively important. Now I've never heard how people look at monitoring that on the PT realm. So when you're putting those programs together for the individuals that you're working with, let's talk about how you track and monitor that. And then if you can, let's talk about how you relay that information and it ties in then with what the physical preparation coaches you work with uh, then intertwine with what you're doing with the athlete. So it depends on the athlete that you're working with. If you're working with an endurance runner, this is easy. This is really easy. They know what their training volume has been like for the last month. They have it written down somewhere, and it's really easy to calculate. All right, they ran three miles this day. They ran five miles the next day, one mile the following day. I know how many miles they ran. Now, if we're talking a CrossFitter or an Olympic weightlifter, it gets a little dirtier, Mm -hmm. Um, especially CrossFitters, which I work with a, a good percentage of CrossFitters in my practice. How do you calculate, you know, the difference between 50 air squats 
and a five rep max back squat, which is more taxing on the system. Well, they're both taxing in very different ways, even though it's the same general movement pattern. That's where it gets dirty. And you can kind of, you could track like rating a perceived exertion across the entire workout. So say, all right, I was at CrossFit. I did an hour long workout. And at the end, my RPE, you know, that was an eight out of 10 workout. And you can track like the weekly total RPE. But still, that's not perfect because it also doesn't look at individual movements. Um, and sometimes it can just be overtraining an individual movement. So really, in that population, in Olympic lifters, CrossFitters, powerlifters, I tend to use it more as a, a theoretical framework on what has changed in your workout over the past few weeks. Um, for example, um, CrossFit regionals last year, I, I'm, I don't know if you pay attention to CrossFit at all, but in the CrossFit regionals, there was like 20 pec strains yeah. last year. And I'm fortunate enough to work with some really high-level CrossFitters, and I'm talking to them about what their general training is like, and I, and I just straight asked them, how often do you practice dips? Very rarely do they do dips in their workout. Now, in the CrossFit regionals, they had workouts that involved muscle-ups and dips. Well, and so these guys go from doing very few dips, because it's a really low-level skill for a high-level CrossFitter, and they don't practice it a whole lot. Maybe they do muscle-ups once a week or once every other week. Um, then they have two workouts that are going to stress their shoulder in this really uh, dips or shoulder extension to neutral flexion. We don't train that movement pattern with a whole lot of things in that range of motion. So they didn't, you know, maybe practice that workout four or five times in the couple of weeks coming up to the CrossFit regionals. And they've just acutely spiked the amount of work they have done in that specific range of motion. And I believe that's why so many of these pec strains happen in the CrossFit regionals. And there are some other factors that were involved as well, but I don't. I, th I think that acute spike in a, in one training variable is what did it. And if you talk through what people have been doing, maybe maybe somebody goes on like a small off squat cycle. Mm -hmm. Great program. They're getting knee pain, and they want to they want to blame it on oh, I'm a quad dominant squatter. Well, <laughs> maybe your quad dominant squatter. Um, it's a little hard to define. And that's based on a whole lot of things, but maybe it's more that you just, you know, double the amount of squat volume you were doing and you don't need to, you know, pull out a spreadsheet and calculate the weight that they lifted for the number of reps they lifted and all that to come up with the exact number. You just got to use, you know, that theoretical framework on, yeah, that was an acute spike in your training volume specific to that movement. No. And then when you look too at the, at what happened in the regionals last year, what I think is an even bigger factor is that you throw in like you said, a skill that isn't necessarily practiced and a, and a pattern that isn't necessarily grooved consistently, but you're also then doing it competitively. Like and Competitively, you're adding stress. The oh. setup of the rigs was a little wider and higher than most people's are, so there were a lot of little factors that led into it. Yeah, man, that's wild. So now let's talk about moving forward with it then. So you, you, you've got these people, you've got them, you're working, you're setting these things up. Now, how is this information translated back to the performance coach and how do you see that moving so you can make it as seamlessly as possible? Yeah. So saying all this stuff, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that we don't pull out a small off cycle. It doesn't mean that we don't, um, you know, significantly increase the volume for a week to tax athletes and let them know that they're actually capable more than they believe they are. It just means that we have to, be aware of the demands that we're going to put around them. You know, if we're going to, if we're going to smoke them for a week, then we need to think about, all right, what, what can we turn down a little bit to allow them to recover from this increased leg volume that we're about to put them through on a small off cycle? Can we, 
you know, decrease some of the accessory work they're doing? Can we, you know, what are the different little variables we can do to make sure that we don't um, excessively overreach their current capacities? No, I love it. I love it. So then let's talk programming. What are some things that people should be looking at with their program that could help identify this? Because we've got some things that we do. We've got some toys that we're able to utilize. Um, but there's, you know, it's not always everything that everybody can do. So when you're talking with coaches about these kind of, I mean, really, these, these overtraining issues that you're seeing, um, what are some things that you advise them with when it comes to, you know, things that might lead them to start pumping the brakes a bit? And there are certainly some different technology things out there from um, heart rate variability, things like that. Um, I haven't dabbled in the research on that or used it myself. I really think it's just looking back at, at your at the weights you're lifting or the the whatever variable you're tracking and just seeing is this something that's consistently showing improvement steadily over months. And if you're somebody that's you know you've been benching 250 pounds for the last year, something's off training wise, and, and it could be that you're not training enough, or you could not be hitting the right accessory movements. But it could be that you're just beating yourself down into the ground, not giving yourself time to recover. And I just like talking to people about, you know, how are you feeling week to week? Are you just feeling like your body feels like crap? Mm-hmm. Have you it. taken a Have you taken a deload week? Um, um, you know, if you're training really hard, there should be no way you don't have to take deload weeks. If you don't have to take deload weeks, your training wasn't hard enough. And so, just taking little times to to decrease your volume a little bit, maybe deload week. And then maybe spend some time training at lower volumes and building up over the course of a, of a cycle how much volume you're doing and just seeing if increasing volume over the course of a month and then taking a break and then increasing it over the course of a month and taking a break, does that make, it, make you feel better than just always hammering? No, no doubt. And then I guess that my next question would be, how long do you see that build up? in order for people to find where that is. Because I guess the one thing that, that, that would, you know, working with, with college athletes and, and some, you know, Olympians from here and there is that the one thing that we can always do is, is we can do more tomorrow, but we can't do less yesterday. So if we're, we're tearing a kid apart who needs to get in the pool, let's say, and swim 10,000 meters uh, the next day, making sure that we're providing enough to increase that that adaptation that we're looking for and to, to provide the stimulus needed but not make them need a cup because they're so broke they're drooling all over the place the next two days yeah uh, so where do you see that build up how do you see that coming along and uh what, what is some advice when you when you have with that well for me in the rehab world um where this conversation becomes the easiest is when i treat people for multiple injuries in the course of you know four or six months like if I'm seeing you multiple times, there's something significantly wrong with your training. No doubt. In the performance world, in measuring that from week to week, um, that that takes a coach just understanding their athletes, I believe. And and your perspective on that's going to be better than mine because I, I it's been a number of years since I've been with large groups of athletes looking at them consistently. But you know when Tommy's not feeling good when you talk to him and he doesn't have like. The, the normal energy level that he has coming in and a good coach begins to recognize that just from talking to athletes and then potentially can augment that by, you know, looking at the velocity of the barbell when they're warming up, 
looking at heart rate variability, other tools like that. For me, it's just in the clinic, in the physical therapy clinic, it's why have I treated you for three things in the last six months? There's no way you should have this many injuries. There's something significantly wrong with either how you move as a whole or your training volume. And if I look at your, your movement skills themselves and you move well, then the answer is your training volume is excessive nine times out of ten. hundred percent. Excessive in one way either or the volume or you're just trying to hammer it too hard all the time with the intensity as well. Yeah, yeah. No. In the CrossFit world, they never deload, so yeah. that's that's usually my answer. Good gosh, take one week off at least every eight weeks. Yeah, no doubt. So listen, I'd I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about at, at least your your Instagram page and your website, because uh, okay. I love the content that you're putting out. It's I I think it's absolutely killer. But sure. my big question when people start putting this stuff out is, where'd the idea come from? <laughs> it came out of necessity, man. Uh, I took a job. Um, it's a great job, but it started out financially not working out very well in my favor. And so, you know, I, I was taking my piggy bank to Harris Teeter and putting it in the coin star to be able to pay for my groceries for the week. So it's down to my, my last few dollars. And I was writing for CrossFit Journal and a couple other big publications. And my little sister, who's into social media marketing for some bigger companies, came to me and she's like, look, you're doing all this writing for other people and you're getting paid a few dollars to do that. Why don't you start marketing yourself more? Start getting on Instagram and Facebook and actually promoting what you're doing on your own website. I was just writing on my website and never promoting it. And so she really pushed me to make that leap and to start impacting more people. I love it. I love it. Came it. out of necessity, man. Yeah, no, I hear you, brother. And it's it's awesome, man. I I love what you're putting out there. So let's talk about what you are putting on Instagram. A ton of videos when it comes to everything and anything that you can think of, really. Where do these ideas or what you're going to put out come from? Like, is it something that somebody shows up and it's like, God, I should show everybody else this. Or is it something that's just like, this is what I'm doing. This it's exactly, it's what I'm doing. It's what I'm doing that week. And what I'm seeing, I mean, I pick up a lot of exercises from other people that I follow Um, I'm also very fortunate. My dad was a a high school strength and conditioning coach for 30 years. And my dad just had this unique ability to come up with exercise solutions for his athletes. And after watching him for years and years do that, I've been able to pick up on that as well and can just randomly come up with different exercises that I've never seen before anywhere else that address somebody's specific need. And then when I have something unique like that, I'm going to put it on Instagram so that other people can grab it and, and hopefully learn from it. And then what I typically try to do with Instagram, um, the problem with Instagram and, and Facebook is you get snapshots. Mm-hmm. You, don't get, you don't get the true picture. It's like put a picture of bench press up and say, all right, this is how you train. You do bench press. No, that training is way more than that. Um, so I, I use Instagram to grow and, and to get people looking at my stuff. But I really want people to go to the website because the website's where you're going to see all of that stuff pulled together in a clearer picture. So you might see, you know, a drill to improve your front rack mobility, but you know, your front rack mobility is made up of wrist extension, elbow flexion, shoulder, external rotation, thoracic spine mobility. So that one drill may work for one of 10 people that need thoracic spine help. But if you go to the website, you'll find an article that breaks down the different tests that you need to look at each of those pieces so that you can figure out 
what's the exact area you need to work on? So like if, you, if you're a power lifter and you can squat 700 pounds, but you can only bench 250, what do you need to work on? Your bench. And it's the, the same thing with my, my drills more around movement control is, is I try to on the website give people the tools they need to figure out exactly what they need to work on rather than just choosing random drills. No, and it's all awesome stuff, man. And I, I think that like, especially when you look at just some of the variations that you have on there, um, I think that it's absolutely brilliant stuff that anybody can take more from. Um, and that is at the barbell physio one word. Uh, but so this is all stuff that when you are coming up with these ideas, like this is like any, you know, Bill or Jane that's come into the clinic. It's like, well, this is what they were doing today. And I haven't put this out. I better put this out and show them. Yeah, pretty much. And a lot of times it'll be, uh, you know, I come up with a new exercise to give to a patient and I'm like, oh crap, got to write that down, go home that night do that as part of my warm up and take a video so that I can, you know, then that night email it to them as part of their home exercise program. No, so. man, I, I absolutely love it. And now let's dive into more with the site. Cause you got a lot going on there too. Um, and a lot of really good stuff, you know, when it comes to the blog and, and, you know, the seminar stuff you got up there and the product. So let's, let's, let's touch on that really quick here. All right. Um, so yeah, the blog, like I said, it's just kind of where we, we bring, all the little details together and try to put it into big articles. Um, seminar wise, I'm, I'm teaching one seminar in 2018. I need to update the seminars that you're looking at right now. Um, I teach for a company called the Institute of Clinical Excellence. So it's it's for uh, movement medical providers to basically better understand, at least my courses, to, to better understand the demands of the fitness athlete. So we get physical therapists, athletic trainers, chiropractors in a gym doing squats, deadlifts, Olympic lifts, pull-ups, you name it. We get you doing that and understanding the very, very specific demands of those movements in sports so that when a CrossFitter comes to you with pain, you can actually understand the demands of that sport. And for a lot of people in the rehab world, they'll look at your air squat and they'll say, okay, I know what's going on with your squat. Well, that's not necessarily the truth. You know what's going on with your air squat. You don't know what happens when they get fatigued or when they get under load. And so we believe that, that more medical providers need to be able to analyze movement under load and that we drop the ball on just looking at how somebody moves under body weight. Because you see what happens to your players in the fourth quarter, man. Their movement completely changes when they get fatigued. Mm -hmm. their, their squat changes when they go from 80% to 95%. It looks completely different at times. And if you don't take that next step to look at how they move under load, you're going to miss out. Um, we've got a number of products that are mostly built for coaches and clinicians to basically help them better understand that stuff. So master the squat where I, I break down basically every test that I would possibly use for, um, for analyzing somebody's squat from body weight. How do they move body weight wise? How do they move under load? What is their mobility and, and body structure tell you about how they should squat so that we can individualize people's squat patterns to put them in the best possible position uh, specific to their needs. Um, and then I have a, a performance plus programming, which is something for, um, more for athletes, CrossFitters that are looking to add a little bit of accessory movements to their, their current workout program. But inside of that performance plus programming, we also have, um, a, a variety of different movement specific skills. So if you're like a, if you're a coach and you've got a lot of kids that have, you know, really crappy ankle mobility, but you don't have time to, to work through a number of ankle mobility drills with them, 
you can just send them that program and tell them, hey, this is your this is your warm up for the next month. You're doing this program to get your ankles unlocked so that you can actually get into the positions that I need you to get into in your sport. No, yeah, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's a ton of awesome stuff. And I can't thank you enough for everything that you're putting out and, and how you're helping the whole profession in, in both ends at the spectrum move forward, man. This is fantastic stuff. Again, guys, make sure that you are following his Instagram and that you're on the, the blog because there is some killer stuff. Doc, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today. This is fantastic, my friend, and uh, I, I can't wait to get this up. People are going to love it. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Well, we'll be in touch real soon, my friend. Thank you. All right. And a huge thanks again to Dr. Zachary Long for sitting down and joining us today. Guys, again, just another person out there trying to help people get better, open, honest, candid sharing with us today. And again, if you don't follow at the Barbell Physio on Instagram and you're not going to thebarbellphysio.com to check out the stuff that he's got on the blog, guys, you're really missing out. Make sure you give him a follow. Make sure you're reading his page because he is putting out fantastic information, just trying to help us all take care of our athletes at a higher level. So Dr. Long, thank you so much for what you're doing. Keep up the great work, my friend, and thank you so much for your open, honest, candid sharing with us today. And guys, as always, if you enjoyed the talk, Please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Guys, I'm sure you know somebody that could take something from this talk. This is absolutely fantastic. And if there is, tweet it at them, share it with them, drop a DM, whatever it may be. Send them an email with a link. Again, we are just trying to get the best information out possible to all the fantastic coaches and practitioners involved with Central Virginia Sport Performance. And as always, guys, thank you for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.